0: It is 9.02 on this Thursday. I'm Jay Barrett, and it's uh, time for the regular Thursday COVID Brief. I have with me Dorotha Ferraro from South Peninsula Hospital, Lauren Carroll from uh, the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services, Public Health Nursing, and Peggy Erkineff, the spokesperson for the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District. Good morning, everybody. How are y'all? Good morning. Hey, Jay. We got everybody there? Okay. Well, uh, COVID uh, seems to be running rampant again, uh, or some more in the state, but uh, there are indications it's running less rampant uh, or starting to around the nation. I'd like to talk a little bit about that, but uh, Peggy, first can I ask you uh, for an update about uh, how things are going at the schools? A couple weeks ago, uh, Homer High School instituted uh, uh, universal masking. Uh, Just wondering how things are going up there and elsewhere here on the South Peninsula?
1: Thanks for asking. So district-wide, we're dealing with weather, we're dealing with Omicron and COVID, and also um, really proud of our staff. And everybody's stepping up and we're keeping buses running and meals being served and schools open. So that's a big positive when um, quite a few, nearly 20 over the last couple of weeks, uh, schools have shifted to universal masking just based on the metrics in the mitigation plan. Some of those schools are up for review to see if that will be continuing. And so if anybody wants to look at that, you can go to our COVID dashboard. There's a portal for that and a link on the homepage at kpbsd.org. And every day at about uh, two o'clock or shortly thereafter, the daily counts are posted. And we also make updates around four o'clock each day under each school if they're operating with universal masking, if there's any other actions that are taken or or if that's removed. So people can look on that dashboard to see any new cases for the prior day, seven day cases and what the school population is. School population includes students and staff. So right now we like everybody else are um, responding to just this rapid um, increase but we also are seeing people that are not seeing being as symptomatic. And so that's a positive. So we have the protocols in place. I talked about last week right now that if somebody does test positive, if their symptoms are resolved for 24 hours or they had no symptoms on day six, after that test, they can return to work or school wearing a face covering. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, I was curious about how uh, things are going for, um, Uh, homeschool um, families. Uh, I know there's a couple of different ways to do distance learning and I'm just wondering uh, have you heard from from these folks and how they're getting by?
1: I haven't heard from any of our students who are in 100% remote learning through the district-wide remote program so that's different than the homeschool program and there's not a lot of students that are in that but District wide, I think there's between, I haven't, I, I'm not going to give a number. I know it, it's less than 50, um, but I don't know where we're at with this um, new semester. But with Connections Homeschool, those students have been learning at home and we've been having activities. I know we have the Battle of the Books happening district wide this week. And so Connections Homeschool students, middle school, I think it was the middle school yesterday, won district wide. So I'm going to be doing some stories by the end of the week about that. And so that's a positive that we're still doing some awesome things in schools. It's not only about COVID, right? We're, we've are we got education happening. We've got supports for students and for families and staff. And um, learning is happening.
0: Mm-hmm. How have athletics been um, affected? Uh, I know there was a uh, uh, principal Wachowski here uh, told me there was a uh, uh, some basketball tournaments uh, out of town that might uh, they might not go to, uh, you know, uh, how are things being affected for athletics and activities?
1: Good question. So, right now we're in the middle of the midst of this um, uh, just rise of cases. So, it's just happening day by day with what's happening with schools and teams. And if the entire team is exposed or enough players on a team or at another school, whether it's in our district or not our district, where a game's meant to be played and that needs to be rescheduled or canceled. So we're in that nimble mode we've been in for two years of being really responsive um, in a much higher level than we've ever had to be. It used to be maybe there was an earthquake or bad weather and now we've got um, a lot more pieces going in and a desire to quote, return to normal as well. One of the things that's going to happen this spring, um, later in the year is there's been a lot of student requests to have prom this year. And that's a really important thing for many students. And so at this time, prom um, planning is proceeding for our high school, for our high schools. And that hasn't happened for a couple of years. So that's a big deal too. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: That's excellent to hear. Uh, do you have anything you want to add or or anything? Uh, I assume you've got a. Uh, it, an
1: OEM meeting coming up. I do. That's every Thursday at the same time. So the, the last thing I'd like to again say is just thank you to everybody. This is hard for teachers, for staff, for families. I continue to say that. But the more that we can offer kindness and gratitude and recognize that people are maxed and they're doing the best they can do that will go a long way in our communities to helping us feel connected and belonged like we belong and that we have a place even if we're struggling and all of us are hitting those points at different times where that kind smile or that word of encouragement or the how are you can really make a huge difference or simply saying thank you.
0: Excellent words. Thanks for joining us uh, this morning, Peggy. Thank
1: Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend.
0: You too with the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District. Uh, Dorotha, how are things going at the uh, hospital up here? I see, uh, you know, on the uh, thrice weekly state update that uh, Homer is um, somewhere in the middle upper part or upper part of the middle as far as uh, all these cases that are getting reported around the state. Um, I, I think 6,000 was a number I saw on Wednesday. I guess that was yesterday. Uh, And then, uh, you know, we've had some higher numbers, too. Uh, How are we doing here locally?
3: Well, I will start with the good news. How's that? And that is that we are not seeing um, hospitalization rates um, the same way that we were in Delta. Um, When we were in that Delta surge in November, um, October, November, December, or early December, um, hospitalization rates were much higher, but for the most part, um, we never really have any, we have zero to one patient at any given time hospitalized with COVID right now. And our weekly, each week we have one, maybe two new admits, but folks don't seem to stay um, as long they're um, treated and and released in a timely um, fashion. And then as far as um, testing goes, Um, Testing has, it's gonna be interesting to watch our testing numbers because there's greater capacity for testing in the community now. So uh, looking at SPH numbers alone will not necessarily give um, the full picture. So tests collected in the last week, we had 1,140. So that is actually down compared to the week prior, but the week prior, we had less um, testing options in the community over the last week. Um, public Health has sponsored a pop-up test, um, test clinic down there. So up those 1,140 that were run at our test site, 215 were positive, which puts us at a 19% positivity rate. And that's the same exact positivity rate as the week prior. And the ER visits for COVID um, in the week ending Wednesday um, was 12 visits. And that was down the touch over the prior week of 15. The monoclonal antibody infusions are still offered. In the last week, we treated 15, that's one five, 15 patients um, with the monoclonal antibody infusions. And um, the vaccine numbers, looks like the vaccines have leveled off a a touch um, in early um, January and even December. We were giving 150, even 180 vaccines a week. And in the last week we did 91. So that's a look at numbers as far as services and care um, to community. Um, Another um, area of hope is that we are seeing our number of employees who are out due to either isolation or quarantine or COVID-related absences. We're seeing that number start to decline Um, over the last 10 days, we were pretty much around 10%, um, eight eight to 10% of the workforce was either out or working from home, and uh, specifically because of um, COVID-related absence. But over the last two days, that number is dropping. And as of today, we are at 41. So that's a a much more manageable um, number. And we appreciate the communities patience as we um, kind of went through these last 10 days because we're having so many people out, we occasionally ask folks to maybe consider um, postponing a, an appointment to the following week or doing something via telehealth. Um, so we really appreciate folks' flexibility, as well as our own staff. People have been really great about covering for each other, um, you know, doing workarounds to accommodate the the needs of the, of the community. So I really, just really appreciate everybody's flexibility to get us, I call this the Omicron crunch. And I'm hoping that we, are um, coming out the, the other end of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Nurse Lauren Carroll, how are you this morning?
2: Oh, hey, Jim. I'm doing well. It uh, looks beautiful outside today.
0: I tell you, it's a winter wonderland for sure. Um, the, uh, 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 your boss, um, Ann Zinc, yesterday, I believe, uh, came out with, uh, w- with some uh, figures and uh, said that covid was the fourth leading cause of death in alaska last year 231 covid deaths plus another 34 deaths where covid was a contributing factor uh trailing only uh cancer uh oh no heart disease cancer and uh accidents the fourth leading cause of death that's um does that surprise you or is that what do you think about that
2: you know, that doesn't surprise me, and I'm glad you brought up that particular report. So that's looking at numbers from 2020. Um, so we won't see numbers for uh, 2021 for a while. It takes so much time to do things like review death certificates and to put all that data together in ways that it makes sense. So yeah, <clears throat> that's not surprising. In 2020, uh, we suffered 231 deaths from COVID-19, and you got it, and, and that's, uh, just ahead of that is accidents, 465 deaths, uh, 915 deaths related to heart disease. But cancer was the leading cause of death in our state. And you know what? These are what we kind of like to call non communicable diseases outside of COVID, of course. And this, uh, Jay, to answer a question that's not a surprise, because these are the trends that we see not only in the United States, but globally. That trend is that non communicable diseases are leading um, ahead of infectious diseases. So said differently, in the world of public health and healthcare uh, across the globe, we've come a long way uh, with tamping down infectious diseases over the past 50 years, um, largely um, because of vaccines.
0: Yeah, well, that's true, isn't it? Uh, vaccines really have... Uh... Made our life uh, better. Actually, it's made our life possible. There wouldn't be eight million billion people on the earth right now if there weren't for vaccines. I'm I'm convinced of that. And uh, you know, maybe maybe nature has plans to bring us back down that far again. Was there anything else from the two thousand uh, figures that uh, Dr. Zink uh, presented that uh, uh, stuck out to you, Lauren?
2: Oh, I, I think, you know, I didn't hear her talk about those, but just knowing Ann thinks, she probably mentioned that, you know, a lot of these of the top 10 um, leading causes of death in Alaska, those uh, can be prevented with an active lifestyle when you're connected with your family and community members and take the opportunity to get outside and move your body. And so those are things that not only prevent things like diabetes and helps you with uh, better outcomes with Uh, chronic lower respiratory diseases and uh, heart diseases uh, but also it helps you with covid so omicron is passing around very quickly in the state of alaska we're actually number one for newly reported cases in in the country um so the chances of folks getting omicron are very high and that includes the folks have had disease before and if you're up to date on vaccines um so getting outside moving around um being careful to have a great diet is, is going to help you if you get sick and get you back to work and back in school more quickly
0: i uh i'm, I'm surprised we're number one again number one with a bullet
2: yeah yeah that's right you know we we kind of tend to as i've mentioned before we kind of tend to follow uh the lower 48 or the u.s as a whole and the u.s tends to follow uk So this whole Omicron um, spike or the fourth wave started in the U.K. around the middle of November, and we're seeing a downturn in the U.K. right now. And here in the U.S., we started our Omicron um, uptick at about the same time. That's the middle of November. And we're starting to see what may be a downturn in the U.S. as a whole. And that kind of started the middle of January. But one thing that we are seeing with the European Union is uh, EU started an uptick. in late october uh, plateaued in the first part of december but then shot straight up and from today's perspective there's no signs of a downturn it's still uh, increased activity in, in the eu
0: mm-hmm. hmm. uh you know i know i saw a projection uh last night from the cdc uh I, last week when i asked you about this the projection for uh i think it was deaths in the middle of february uh, trended up and I saw that same graph uh, this week and now it's trending down a little bit more that's that seems uh, pretty optimistic uh, to me and seems uh, like you say to follow what is uh, is happening um, you know worldwide with omicron um, not being as uh, virulent though it is more infectious. Um, uh, I think we talked about before how uh, you know this is how s- s- uh, infections in the past, pandemics in the past, have petered out, right?
2: You know, I, I also like to see that news too. But what is lying behind there is the reality is that is this is that reviewing death certificates takes a lot of time. So that that data, the death of those folks that die from COVID nineteen, uh, tends to lag uh, quite a long time and. We also know that even hospitalization data tends to lag, and that's because the healthcare system is so stressed. And that, that kind of brings up a point, uh, a big change that has occurred as of uh, yesterday. The Department of Health and Social Services is no longer reporting reporting percent positivity or the, the whole cumulative number of tests on the dashboard. And that's in part because of the increased use of, of ha- at-home rapid antigen tests. Um, and so that particular metric is not as helpful as it was before and this also uh gives uh, the entire healthcare uh, the more time back and energy to focus on other things like mitigation instead of uh reporting negative results
0: hmm interesting um what do you think we've lost as uh you know uh, information consuming public by not getting that information or that data point
2: you know I don't think we've lost a whole lot. If you look at the dashboard today and you're like, what's the daily uh, average positivity? You'll see that the last one that was recorded on the dashboard from today's perspective was January 6th. Um, So moving forward, we won't see that for a while, Um, but we still have the other metrics that help to paint the picture of how's COVID going in our state, nation, and and globally. Um, So the other metrics that we are still actively using in my mind, still paint a really good picture that answers the question, how are we doing? And that feeds, what should I do or what should my organization do? Um, but also into the future, we don't know what's gonna happen, of course, with the next uh, sets of variants. And so as the needs of the community change and, and the country based upon variations of of these waves, uh, we'll also change and update the data as needed. So I don't think we've lost much. Mm-hmm.
0: I read something uh, the other day. Um, can't recall exactly when, but uh, uh, the gist of what uh, uh, they were saying was: uh, just because Omicron seems less deadly, uh, is no reason to try and catch it. You know, to uh, to get to gain immunity. Because the immunity, one, you could get long COVID. Two, you get serious COVID. And three, uh, it's uh, it it um, it might be more severe for you anyway, right? And your protection's not going to last uh, for very long, right?
2: That's right. Yeah, those are all great reasons. And you know what? In a, and it's not fun to be sick. You know, if you're sick, there could be a potential. Uh, it could mess up your travel plans. It could extend your travel plans, and you may have to find lodging to hold up and isolate. It can keep you out of work, and you might need to take leave without pay. So there are particular personal financial reasons to not get sick, Uh, but also in general, it's not fun. And then if you get sick uh, with the disease uh, of COVID-19, there's no guarantee that you can't get in the future. So reinfections is real, and, and that's happening.
0: Mm-hmm. and and th- that's the reason we're never going to get really to herd immunities because uh, the immunity doesn't last long enough, right?
2: You know, uh, you know in the world of vaccine preventable diseases, it's really tough to eradicate uh, those diseases, and we've actually only er- eradicated one ever on planet Earth and now was smallpox. Uh, But that doesn't change the fact that we'll show up every day and do everything we can to prevent uh, diseases and keep communities, individuals, and family as healthy and productive as possible. So the overall goal there is to set the stage for people to reach their potential as easily as possible.
0: Mm -hmm. Yesterday on the coffee table, I did a show about uh, emergency preparedness and uh, uh, a little bit of the talk was... uh, you know, what do you do when there's, uh, say, a wildfire coming at you and you're an emergency responder and there's somebody who's living in the path of this wildfire and you're trying to convince them to go? Uh, and and um, I was speaking with Brenda Ahlberg, the uh, OEM director for the borough, and she said, well, you know, all we can do is provide them with accurate, timely information, uh, tell them what their options are, And uh, we can't make them leave. It's up to them. It's a personal decision. We can't make them leave. And so uh, I have seen that in in uh, covering wildfires is that here's the information. This is what you need to know. And then, you know, they don't really worry about the people who aren't going to leave after that. They say, well, we've I don't want to make them sound heartless, but it's like they've done their job they've presented the information and now there's a, a personal responsibility the onus is on the on the uh the individual um and i'm wondering uh you know are we going to reach that point at some point with covid here it's like you know the rest of us are fine all y'all who don't want to get uh vaccinated uh you know just go on with your own self you have thoughts about that
2: you know i yeah, I do. That's, that's interesting. You know, the, the thing I like about that is that wildfires, you know, tend to be um, pretty finite in regards to their, their impact. Now, there's a lot of smoke and other things like that that make them complex, but when comparing that to COVID-19, there's a lot of big differences. And probably the number one difference that pops to the top of my head is COVID-19 has impacted 7.9 billion people. And then it just gets more complex from there, the disease and the disease process itself. For example, you have symptomatic folks, asymptomatic folks, both of which can transmit the disease. You've got an incubation period, so you may be uh, infected and not even know it for several days. You have different variants with different levels of transmissibility or their ability to to pass from one human to the next. Uh, Different variants do different levels of damage to the human body. And then also this whole host or uh, panel of mitigation, um, it, its they're all very uh, great. So there's no one mess that fits everyone, that that protects everyone from 100% of particles. And that's why we need a, a layered approach to, uh, to preventing Omicron from spreading around so quickly. It kind of makes me think about, or takes me back to the number one goal that we've been holding up the entire pandemic is the goal is to... Uh, flatten the curve. And what I mean by that is to prevent the amount of pressure on the healthcare system to prevent it, prevent it from happening all at once or in a short time. So if we can work as a team to spread that out over several weeks, um, for example, with Omicron, we expect that it may last, uh, we think, maybe from 8 to 12 weeks. If we can spread that demand on healthcare out, it's going to be a lot easier and we'll have better outcomes for individuals, uh, communities. But also, of the healthcare workforce. Mm-hmm. Excellent.
0: Uh, got a couple questions uh, sent in. Uh, will masks being made available from the national stockpile be available locally? Who, who can take that?
3: Um, oh, as as, go ahead, as, as far as the hospital goes, we have not yet been um, advised. That we will be a distributor of those masks. My understanding is that um, an announcement was made at the national level um, about a, a pipeline of masks that are coming out into the local communities. And although I saw that um, announced nationally, I've not yet heard what the rollout is within local health care. Public health might have that answer but I do not have that yet and I appreciate everybody's calls we've had several calls on it and I just don't I don't know that yet Lauren do you
2: oh you know I don't have much to to offer um you know except I I think we'll continue to see uh, several changes as it relates to what supplies are available and where to get them and that'll look different uh, from community to community uh but I think too uh the, the idea here too is we continue to pivot with the resources that we do have to do the best that we can working as a team. So uh, don't wait to like uh, buy or, or, or uh, get your hands on a mask that is comfortable because that's the kind that you're going to wear and use. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, another uh, caller question, uh, they're wondering where they can get home COVID tests. Uh, Dorotha, does the hospital have them again? And if not, uh, do you know where folks can, can buy them?
3: Um, Good news. We do have a new supply in. So um, over the last week, a new shipment came in and they are available. So we only really offer the home tests to folks who don't qualify for the testing that we offer at the walk-up clinic, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., seven days a week. And so who is that? That's the person that that maybe doesn't have symptoms they do not have known exposure they aren't using it for travel they aren't using it for employment purposes um so you why then would you want that home test you would want it maybe to just have in your medicine cabinet um so Mm. that if um you do get a call or if somebody does have symptoms that it's the first action. Um, you might want it because you are um, visiting vulnerable um, friends or relatives. The only thing I would offer to uh, my limited, um, not medical advice, um, just awareness, is that those tests are um very, um, a f- very um, accurate for symptomatic individuals um, when they have enough viral load to be detected on that particular testing uh, module. And we hear um, example after example of somebody testing on a home test on day one and it's negative and on day two, it's positive. So I would just remind you that any test is a moment in time and um, the PCR tests do remain um, the most accurate and um, informative. Um, but in the absence of everybody being available to a, a, you know to a PCR test, which they are not, um, it's great we do have these. Lauren.
2: Oh geez, that's good. Not a whole lot to add there. Uh, I guess I would I, just. Uh, I was
0: going to say, how did things go at the? That. Uh, testing down at your office this week.
2: Ooh, thanks for mentioning that. It's going well. Um, those folks from Capstone, that's uh, a contractor uh, that's working with DHSS. Um, there's four testers down here working out of the Homer Public Health Center doing parking lot based tests. Um so all, all you have to do is drive up and uh, read in instructions on the door and there'll be someone out there uh, to, to meet and greet you. Um, But yeah, they're operating 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday this week. That's at the Homer Public Health Center, 195 East Pennell. And they've collected uh, over the course of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, just under 100 tests. Uh, They collected 95 samples total, and there's been 16 positive so far. Um, So we really appreciate those folks coming down, mostly from Anchorage and helping to take the load off of the hospital swab site, but also healthcare.
3: Yeah, the, t- the timing there. Th- thank you so much to public health for reaching out and bringing the extra capacity in. because with with our um, no, high number of employees being out right now, and the plus the increased volume of testing, it really has made a difference. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I had a question emailed to me about long, uh, long COVID long haul COVID. Um, and it was it wasn't a question about, uh, you know, who's who's uh, vulnerable, I think it's more about the uh, financial uh, realities of it. Uh, they said that long COVID's not recognized yet by insurance or Medicare or Medicaid and they're wondering uh, you know, I guess if that's going to change or how that might affect people who get long COVID. Do you guys have any thoughts or information about that?
2: You know, insurance reimbursement and those types of things are really out of my wheelhouse. Uh, But I do know one thing and we know one thing is that long COVID is a complex and long list of signs and symptoms and other complications that pop up uh, uh, in part because of a COVID-19 or infection with the uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus. Um, So just that fact that uh, there are so many different uh, signs and symptoms, and other adverse health effects that can last very long, uh, I can see how that would be complicated. But I think uh, the number one step or the best thing that you can do, if you or a family member has a long COVID, or you think you might, would be to touch base with your healthcare provider or your medical home as soon as you can.
3: I would um, also remind folks that this whole pandemic, the Agencies, systems, insurances, processes, they follow and catch up to reality. So they're not leading, right? The virus is leading, which that's living with the people. And then these other systems are reacting. So um, just because an insurance company doesn't cover something today does not mean that that won't change in the very near future. So um, I would encourage folks to know how, where their customer service numbers are on their insurance plans and use them regularly because things really change quite rapidly right now with uh, everything, including insurance coverage.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, I don't have any more questions in front of me and uh, we have the possibility of polka music coming up in this half hour, so I don't want to dawdle. Uh, D- Dorotha, do you have any, uh, last, uh, last thoughts?
3: Um, two things. One is, um, I just wanted to follow up from a hospital perspective in regards to, um, vaccinated, unvaccinated, natural immunity, not uh, know that your local hospital will provide the same level of care to you, regardless of your, personal choices, no matter what your illness, whether it's COVID or anything else. So we are here to give care and not judge and are human, um, but just really want people to know that there is no barrier to coming here if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. So please, you're we are here to, to provide service and care. I also wanted to thank the community For these phenomenal cards that arrived here. So, over the holidays or at the beginning of the holiday shopping season, um, a few local nonprofit and leaders in the community got together and um, created um, greeting card stations at local businesses. And folks, while they were out shopping, would sign cards for local healthcare providers. And we received nearly 200 thank you cards. And um, they came in right before Christmas. And because of the holiday um, rush, they did not get distributed. And then as soon as the holidays were over, we opened them all and posted them all over our facilities, um, all the clinics and the hospital and everything. And oh my gosh, just really, really appreciate all the kind words that folks wrote in those cards. And please know that, they are up, and they are being seen and read and very much appreciated, especially right now with this Omron crunch um, that we're going through. So really, really appreciate all those words and that you have the time to write them. Thank you.
0: Oh, excellent, excellent. Uh, Lauren, one sec. I've just been told we have a caller now on line one. Hi, you're on the air.
1: Uh, yes. A few days ago, I went into a pharmacy in
2: uh Homer and uh, I was looking for masks and like masks and didn't have them, and from my discussion it sounded like they didn't and in or to carry them
0: in. Oh I'm sorry, I d you kinda of broke up there. I'm not sure we got your, your full question. Something about masks.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, I was local pharmacy, they didn't have an, and I, n And they Oh, the
0: pharmacy did not have masks.
2: Yes. Yeah. And it sounded
1: like you didn't intend to get in.
0: Oh, uh, is there a mask shortage out there, Lauren, do you know?
2: You know, not that I've heard of.
0: Okay. Um, If we find out any more information, we'll definitely share it with you uh, on the air. Thank you
1: very much.
0: All right. Thanks for calling. Uh, Lauren, did you have any uh, last thoughts for for us today?
2: Yes. Uh, Maybe just a couple. A lot of uh, very good questions and concerns about these at-home tests freezing. Um, so, just a couple thoughts. Uh, I guess I would say do not use the test kits immediately uh, if they're delivered and you get your hands on them and they're frozen. Uh, let them fall inside before you even consider using them. Um, and then also leave uh, unopened at room temperature those test kits for about two hours before you open them up. Um, but also, very important to follow the kit instructions to ensure that the test. Uh, will result in valid results. So sometimes that means or involves checking the control line um, on the test and, and instructions for that will be outlined inside of the uh, testing kit. Um, but also I guess I would just say in closing a lot of COVID out there being transmitted um, and in and, and, and Zink's words, a layer prevention including being fully up to date on your vaccines, it helps to protect against severe disease um, but also death. So if you're ill, uh, take care of your health, uh, talk to your provider about treatment options, and I hope you feel better soon. Thanks, Jay.
0: All right. Well, thank you both, uh, Lauren Carroll and Dorotha Ferraro uh, and Peggy Erkineff, who joined us earlier, uh, for joining us here on the COVID Brief. Uh, I'm Jay Barrett. Thanks to Josh and Simon back at the studio for uh, keeping things going today. Uh, we're going to send you back now to the studio.